Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Joe Pizzapia. Great to be back with you here on SportsGrid. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at SportsGrid. You can follow me on Twitter, at Craig Mish, with no C. There is a Craig Mish with a C on Facebook. It's not me. Don't follow me. Don't message me there, because I'm not on Facebook. It doesn't exist. It's not me. Uh, Joe Pizzapia has no fakes, as far as I know. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Pizzapia 17 We got to a lot to get to here on the show. Of course, uh, some FanDuel props we got for you a little bit later on, but of course, we Start this show as we've started for the last uh, week or so, maybe two, <laughs> with what appears to be uh, bad news, I guess, to start uh, with Major League Baseball. Uh, last night, uh, you know, relatively late in the day, the Major League Baseball uh, players' representatives, there were 38 of them, and apparently, Joe, they voted 33 to 5 to not accept the owner's proposal of playing a 60-game prorated season. And now, at this point, we appear to be in limbo where uh, the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, could institute um, a 50-game season, a 48-game season. So he could do whatever he wants at this point as per the agreement that they signed back in March. But we don't even know if he will or not. And that's where <laughs> we are. I feel like I should get a fiddle for this segment. And perhaps I can... I can play said fiddle as you continue to talk about the labor disputes in Major League Baseball. And I'll play my fiddle like Nero as Major League Baseball burns. And it'll be a good time for everyone. Look, what's happening here is the same thing I feel like we were kind of alluding to last week, which is the players are in a scenario where their best case scenario is to file a grievance and try to just make money on the back end. The problem with that is it's going to take two years probably in the courts for that to happen at least. The other problem is I don't know if you can prove that Major League Baseball was going through bad faith negotiations. I, I don't know if that's, you can prove that's that. That's a good point. <laughs> I, well, you know what, Craig? That's why you have me on the show here as the co-host. Every now I, and I, then, th- I think that's I think that's actually a fair point at this point. If their plan is to grieve. Um, <laughs> what? As you are, as you have been for some months now. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I don't I don't know. Like, I you mean, you have to prove that I am not a lawyer. It's going to be tough. It's I am not a tough. lawyer, but I'm I'm blessed that I have a lot of black book. I, I told you a lot of my black book readers. I've got people who are uh, medical people and, and I've asked them questions because I try to like shape the show like as you want to like trying to understand what's going on. I've had some legal people and I asked you, you, know, you have adult film stars, too. We got to dive I, into I that. Do. At some point. I do. She's a lovely I guy. <laughs> you know? And 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 uh, what I say is, you know, I think it's important to, to note that when I spoke to this legal person, they said they have to prove that there was bad faith negotiations. And considering what was going on at the time uh, of the covid and everything going on, it's going to be very difficult to prove that. And then the other point is what happens after the fact, which is after the fact of all this stuff going on, there's going to be that elusive thing of, well, how many players are going to see money if they do win? <laughs> who are the players that see the money and when yeah. and how does that work? Because again, this is not going to, it's not like going to file a grievance on uh, you know Thursday and then next Wednesday, it's going to be in a hearing. No, no, that's not how this stuff happens. It goes for years. And, and it feels like what they're trying to do is they feel like that's the best route. They're going to go that way. They're going to take all this stuff and they're going to just move it to next year to 2021. And they're going to have us all over again. And this is tough because you're getting this first round. And basically what you're going to have in the future, as I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, another round of this yet to come. But baseball is going to institute whatever game season. Some players are probably not going to play. I can tell you that right now. I think the majority will because, as I always like to say on the show, greed always wins on both sides. Greed always, always is the winner every single day and it's going to be whatever kind of baseball season it is it doesn't look like if i'm mistaken too are you going to get dh and playoffs because it seems like extend the playoffs and dh that would also have to be agreed upon separately am i correct i mean there's a lot to unpack uh, i'm i'm reading everything that everyone else is writing at this point so my research is going to have to come a little bit later in the day today because it's all very fresh but at least from the reading my understanding is that dh is still possible but the expanded playoffs are not and that's probably for the best. Would you agree with everything going on? Like, let's get in and get out. It seems like you're biting off more than you It's for the worst at this point. Well, it's but just, I mean, it's just so it's just so crazy that this has has really come down to it at this point. And I and I firmly believe there's a lot of people 
that uh, that still believe that everything is is going to happen. I mean, I guess my fear is at this point is that uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, just you know doesn't do anything for a few days. And then says, you know, 40 game season or even something even less than that. Like, I, I don't even know where we even turn from here. And I like to look at both sides of it. And, I, you know, I, my belief in, in this whole thing. And look, in, in the end, we're all losing from this. But it's <laughs> it certainly seems to me. And, you know, this is I'm going to use this as more of my opinion than things that I've heard from from evidence. So I'll just say this. It seems like the players right now are trying to get back for all of the stuff that's happened in the last 20 years. It feels like they're trying to make up for it all. No, but it's tone deaf to do it now. This is a tough time. Their their grievances, you're right. This is a grievance of another nature. (laughs) This is is a longstanding grievance going back to 1994. And I don't think they're going to win the grievance in the public opinion court. That's going to be a problem for them because it's a little tone deaf considering what's going on. There's people dying, literally dying out there uh, from COVID-19. There's all sorts of racial injustice going on. There's all sorts. There's so many things right now that are bigger than baseball. And it's just very difficult at this point to wrap anyone's head around the minutia of this fighting and infighting over what might end up being the difference of 10 different games. Like if, if they said no to this proposal for whatever higher end reasons and the other extended playoff, all the other things that came with this, this latest proposal, including the better pay, if I might be correct, eventually they're just going to settle for whatever it is and take their grievance. And they're going to keep fighting. This is business. This is the business of sports, but my goodness, this is, um, I just think a little tone deaf. Do you think they're going to win the court of public opinion? Cause I don't. I, I don't I don't think that anyone's going to win. I think the players. It felt like the players last week were winning uh, when did. they did that when that whole uh, where and when thing. And <laughs> where and when Trevor can ba- we say? Trevor no. Bauer tried tried to you know soften it a little bit yesterday by saying no no no. Here's really what where and when meant. Like I'm like what? Like I, I read that and it was it was a it was ridiculous. I'm sorry, I mean, man. That, I, that was... you have Mike Trout and Bryce Harper. You know, and Clayton, or I don't know if Kershaw did. I'm sorry if he did not. Uh, but you have Trout and Harper both saying that. Pete Alonso, I know, did. Reese Hoskins, I know, did. Several players. You have say. I mean, so they did tell you where and when. So I don't get it. Like, I'm there's something missing. They told for you me. where and when, and at the rate that you wanted. Like that's the thing I don't understand. It's like you had Tony Clark come out there. You know, it's it's funny because when that Tony Clark meeting happened, Craig, I had the feeling that we were actually going to finally get something done. I really did. I was like, all right, of course. The two guys <laughs> sitting in a room together for six hours coming out. And it seemed like we left. And then whatever happened afterwards, some people say it's Boris. Some people say it's other things, whatever it ended up happening again, at the end of the day, it's, it's not going to be good long-term for anybody. It's going to hurt the game in the short term. It's going to hurt the game long-term. They're all right. Everybody right now is going to make their money. Like all these people have their guaranteed contracts in a year, two years, three years. When these contracts are up, they're all going to make money. The free agents I feel really bad for going into next year. I can't imagine what that's going to be like because you're going to see a lot of one year deals. The high end guys will be fine, but it'll be the mid, mid, middle low guys. I mean, Mookie Betts Betts is going to get $300 million. But there's only one Mookie Betts. That's the thing. That's the the Mookie Betts and George Springer and JT Real Muta will all be fine. But but there's a lot more free agents. Right. We're talking about the workforce of baseball, right? You know, we're talking about the, the, the two year. They're getting a one year. Like that's like, you I know, know. It'll be two years ago where it and was. That's and that's hard, no one that's hard for these families. That's hard for these people. Some of these guys, you know, only have a finite number of years in the game. Not everybody's George Springer and JT Romuto and, and Mookie Betts. They are the <laughs> they're the one percent, as Bernie would say, of major league ball players. And let's well, be honest, we're gonna see. Here. We're gonna see here because I gotta tell you, as we sit here today, you know, and I'm not a Bernie supporter. It, necessarily. it seems it seems pretty it seems pretty <laughs> uncertain. Like I know it's embarrassing. Like they should just take all my video clips from from all the things I've said and just like be wrong every step of the way with this, but. I I, ha- I have to tell you, like I don't even I, I don't even know where they're gonna go from here with this. Like, I feel like, like Rob is gonna implement a season. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. Does does that definitely mean the players are gonna play at this point? Like I'm not sure. Like I, I think most will. I, I told you it's greed. It greed. I think you should put your faith. Maybe, maybe the players are gonna say no. We're not even gonna play at all. <laughs> maybe, but I think you should come along with me, and put your faith in greed. Because if there's one thing that I've learned being an American, you can play some. 
you know, very patriotic music underneath this, as I'm saying. It's one thing I've learned that greed always wins. It always wins out every time. Whenever there's an opportunity for greed to overtake a situation, it will. And I think it will eventually. What it takes to get here, I don't know. That is going to be very difficult. But I will say this. I do believe that they will play. I do believe that less playoffs, considering the COVID things that have come out in the last couple of days, it seems like the less playing, the better. The less playoffs, the better. Let's just try to squeeze in what we can, do the best we can, fulfill some agreements, and then hopefully next year we can hope for the best. But it's all going to be a train wreck in 2021 because it's all just looming. It's waiting over all this. And I don't know if there's going to be a lockout or a stoppage or a strike or what. But if, this, if anybody thinks that you're getting a clean 2021 into 2022 baseball season, you got another thing coming. I'm sorry. So this is happening before 2021? Well, I'm, I don't know. It could. Dude, right? I thought, is it after the 2021 season or it's, before? It's after next year. This is the okay, this coming so year. So we could so get yeah. one more year in? Not necessarily. Not no. if they decide to walk out on it or if the owners so decide to lock them I'm, out on I'm it. Big, I'm very big into KBO right now. I think we should all be into the KBO. I think everybody, all the KBO shares, let's get into it. Let's do it. It's going to be full KBO. I'm going to need Pick a full a list. I'm going to need a full list of more birthdays. I'm, uh, I'm well, they're going to be gonna, doing I'm a gonna lot I'm going to start compiling birthdays in sports, and then I'm going to move to politics and entertainment. We're going to do entertainment birthdays, too. Well, I can do all of those things. I'm a very, very you're lucky that you got stuck with me. I, I can follow all these things. So you want to be a Dinos fan, a Doosan Bears fan, uh, the Kia Tigers, uh, the Kiwam Heroes. That sounds cool. I like that. These are all KBO teams, by the way. I'm just trying to see if any of them like float your vote. Uh, you want to root for the Wiz? I heard nobody beats them. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> all right. Coming up next, it's time for this day in fantasy sports and this day in fantasy sports birthdays. odds <laughs> coming up a little bit later. Bane, the agony of Greg Mish. It's gonna be. It's gonna get better, folks. Don't worry. I, I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago. I was sitting in a press box in Jupiter watching the Marlins. You know, I, I I sat not even in the press box when I when I went downstairs and I sat behind home plate. It was the Marlins and Yankees. It was the day before they shut everything down. And I and I've said this on the show. I looked to my left. I looked to my right. It was a packed house. Again, no one was there playing for the Yankees, but they put the uniform on and people pay a hundred dollars for spring training tickets, no matter what. And I looked around saying. It really doesn't feel like anything's going on right now. Like it doesn't feel like there's a virus or anything else. And I and I thought to myself, I wonder, in a worst case scenario, is this the last baseball game that I'm going to be at this year? I'm like, ah, why even think that? It's not possible. And here we are. You're here. And here we are. Look, I and, and I'm just telling you, I don't think it's going to be the last baseball game you see this year. I'm done. I don't know what 2021 is going to hold, but I think they're going to do everything they can to try to play because at the end of the day, people want to get paid. That's just the, that's just the truth. Mm. Okay, on to bigger and better things. Coming up next, fantasy sports birthdays. This day in fantasy sports, this is Fantasy Sports Today. <laughs> Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia, and we are back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. It's June 23rd, time for This Day in Fantasy Sports History and also This Day in Fantasy Sports Birthdays. And certainly, I think we've got a pretty good list put together here of all of the things that have happened in the past and uh, some pretty good birthdays as well. And, and it actually sparked a, an interesting uh, topic of mine because one of the birthdays today uh, I had in fantasy football once upon a time and thought, wow, like I remember that guy. He was really good for me. He helped me win something, a championship of some kind, I believe. And, uh, and and thought that would be an interesting topic. So we're going to celebrate that today here on the show. Yeah, I always love when you go back in the fantasy wayback machine and there's names that you forget about that were not only like one-year guys, but guys that were solid contributors for a few years, but you kind of forget about them just because it was a long time ago. And it's fun to kind of revisit some of those names. Everybody's got those guys that they were their guys or led them to a championship or what have you. And uh, it's funny how you kind of think back fondly on them, almost as if it was real football or real baseball. It's very strange like that. You're like, oh, man, I remember back in 04, it was quite a team I put together. Yeah, me and my other general manager, we all got together and we really assembled a great group of guys there that won the fantasy championship. And uh, I guess later on, we'll have a 30 for 30 on that fantasy club. That would be a very funny thing, by the way. 
a fake 30 for 30 or some kind of documentary about someone's fantasy team back in a certain year, that would be very entertaining. I, I think we might need that at some point this year. <laughs> we could. It's very possible, given the, the nature of everything happening. Um, okay, so let's get to it here. This is for June the 23rd, 2020. We'll start off in 1988. The Charlotte Hornets and Miami Heat begin their expansion draft. And, of course, uh, inevitably, uh, both teams end up becoming, you know, sort of perennial playoff teams. But, you know, certainly at the time, uh, Joe, both teams were not expected to win a lot of games. The Heat, in particular, I believe only won 19 games their first year. So, uh, you know, expansion is always fun. It's interesting to see teams that leave players off. In, uh, in Miami's case, they ended up with guys like Pat Cummings and Pearl Washington and John Sunvold. And oh, wow. It was, it, was not, it was not a great uh, team at the time. And I remember being a season ticket holder thinking, my gosh, like how many years are we going to have to go through this? But luckily for the Heat, they actually uh, I think they made the playoffs like third or fourth year in. So, And the Hornets were pretty good almost right from the beginning. So. I was going to say, the Hornets actually had some good ones, though. Looking at some of the names there, Del Curry, Muggsy Bogues. Uh, one of the great characters in the NBA, uh, somebody that, you know, from a size perspective, I can't imagine how many people told him that he would never get that far in yeah. professional they basketball. They drafted Alonzo Mourning pretty quickly. Uh, after. And Alonzo Mourning, I was going to say, and then and right after that. And then all of a sudden you've got, you know, these two teams that uh, got better quicker than I think a lot of people realize. But, uh, yeah, some of those names, boy, the Wayback Machine, I'm looking at them now. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy names that, again, you haven't thought about in a long time. But. Uh, whenever I think of the Hornets too, I always, I always think of Larry Johnson for sure. Like just, that's the, like that first thing that always pops in my head. I think about grandmama. I think about Larry Johnson when I think of the Charlotte Hornets for so That's, uh, you know, the one thing that always comes to mind, but, uh, Muggsy Bogues, man, there's another dude too. I like to see, I like to see the next Muggsy Bogues. That was a fun guy to watch play in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, you know, he deserved a shot, made the most of it, was a really good player for a long time. In the yeah. NBA. All right, 2003, Barry Bonds uh, gets a stolen base on this day in fantasy sports history, and that gives him 500 stolen bases to go along with 500 home runs, which, I mean, at this stage, with the nature of stolen bases in baseball, Joe, I would have to think that, you know, unless Mike Trout does it, I don't, I don't know that there's another player that would do it ever again. Uh, you know what? And I can't imagine with the way Mike Trout's trajectory is going, that he would get anywhere close to this. I mean, you see those steals kind of go down year after year. And this is this power speed combination guy. We see some of them come on the scene, but very rarely do you have somebody sustain that level for a very long period of time in both of those categories for a very long period. You'll have the guy who who is that. There's a window of time there, the 30-30 kind of guy. And then as a player ages, anybody who's got that kind of power, some of it's about lineup placement, too. They, they end up becoming a, a, from a two-hitter to a three- or a four-hitter and where they move as they get into their 30s, and that changes. But that's what made Bond so special, this power-speed combination that lasted such a significant period of time. Uh, obviously not in his very later years, but still, people, I think, you know, they get caught up in the scandals, they get caught up in the Balco, they get caught up in the news clippings. But when you go back and you watch Barry Bonds, and this weekend on Father's Day weekend, they were showing some old All-Star games, and... I saw some Barry Bonds Pittsburgh in there watching him take at bats. And let me tell you, that was a formidable guy back when he played for the Pirates. People forget to. So I, I think everybody needs to realize that what you saw when you're watching Barry Bonds, enhanced or not, was a very unique and special talent. And yes, the enhancements enhanced some of that enhanced talent, but the talent was more enhanced than people realize. It was a pretty good talent to begin with. And I think he doesn't get enough credit there because of what happened at the end. But I'd like to see, and I think you and I agree, Harry Bonds will get in the Hall of Fame very soon, if not this year, than the following year. It would seem that way for sure. Uh, 2005 San Antonio Spurs win yet another NBA championship. This is over the Detroit Pistons. In seven games, four to three, a very competitive series by these two teams going all the way to the end. Uh, 2008, I don't know why, but I didn't even remember that this happened. I had to go back and check the YouTube <laughs> on this one. Uh, but Felix Hernandez hit a grand slam in a Major League Baseball game as a pitcher, the first grand slam for a pitcher since 1971. And obviously we're looking at a lot of DH, I think, coming here in baseball and not many uh, pitcher hitting. And this could, you know, honestly be the last time a pitcher's ever going to hit a grand slam in a major yeah. league baseball game. And it's amazing because he's an American League pitcher, right? So you know, it's not something yeah. you'd see very often. You didn't get nearly as many opportunities as it. And I wonder how good of a hitter he would have been if he had more chances. But it's just, I mean, it's just overdue. 
You know, you see these kids in the hyper specialization of baseball. You see these high school kids who don't hit. You see them in college baseball levels. The pitchers don't hit in the minor leagues. They don't hit in the American League. They don't hit. Where do you hit? Oh, the National League. So you expect a guy who hasn't really picked up a bat since he's 18 years old, basically, or maybe even younger. All of a sudden now he has to go hit major league pitching. I think that's a farce at this age. I just I just do. It's a farce. It's been a farce for a while. It's time. It's happening. Whether it happens this year or not or how it happens, whatever it is, I think we're going down that road. And I am somebody who used to be a National League purist. Give me the National League baseball form any day of the week. But you know what? I have to call it what it is. And the pitcher at bats are just a joke at this point. So why not take them out of the game? Why not make it simpler? And, you know, let's move on, move forward because the game's evolved. So we have to evolve with it. Yeah, a lot of pitchers enjoy hitting. And I can certainly understand that people enjoy National League baseball. I'm one of those. I enjoy the pinch hitters and you know, certainly that's going to uh, be eliminated in some mm-hmm. way. But on the other end, you know, you're going to get more at bats because instead of a pinch hitter, you could be a designated hitter. So uh, things seem to equal out. I would think that this will be met with a lot of uproar. And in five years, we'll realize this was the right decision. And I'm sure that that is coming soon. Uh, 2016, Philadelphia 76ers select Ben Simmons with the first overall pick in the NBA draft. Simmons set a pretty solid start to his career. But the one thing about Ben Simmons that everyone still talks about and still will continue to talk about is the fact that he has yet to hit a three-point shot in the NBA. And so, I don't know, Joe, this may go five years, it may go ten years, I'm not really sure. I mean, he's clearly a paint player at this point, but it is it is kind of strange because a lot of these guys who like to work in the paint inevitably, you know, start taking three-point shots. You mentioned Larry Johnson. He was one of them. Chris Webber was another one of them. You know, it's like... Yeah, Webber definitely towards the end of his career with the Kings, sure. He just started taking threes, and it's mm-hmm. like... Um, you know, Simmons is yet to even hit one. And we're talking about how many years now? Three years in the NBA already? So Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, how, what's he over? Do we know? And maybe Breck can find that. Like how many how many chances has he taken at the three? He's taken a few. <laughs> I think they I think they show highlights of him taking threes. <laughs> there, there's a YouTube video for everything, right? There there definitely is. It you really know, is. And I know we're transitioning into the birthdays, but real quick, I was looking through that list of stolen bases and home runs. We were talking about Bonds. You know, the only other guy that kind of sniffs that same range, besides obviously Willie Mays, is is ironically Bobby Abreu, who had a a really good power speed career that kind of gets washed away and nobody talks about him. But you go back and you peel back into the Bobby Abreu numbers and you realize how many home runs and how many stolen bases. He had over 400 stolen bases and 300 home runs. That's a, Man, that's a pretty good player right there. We should look at Bobby Abreu a little harder. And, he, and you don't picture him as a stolen base guy. No, either, but yeah, no, he did, but was he did steal 20, quite a bit. 20. Yeah. He was always very consistent every year. And one of those great, I you know, we talked about Carlos Lee last week. We talked about Mac Ordonez. Bobby Abreu, he was like the third guy in that perfect outfield for me in fantasy baseball in the 2000s, man. Oh, my God, the early 2000s. Those were the guys you wanted because they were so consistent and they were so good. And the value of ROI was always so damn high based on their draft position. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't know what got into Juan Soto last year, but if that dude's going to hit 30 home runs and steal 20 bases and he's only 20, I mean, that would that would be a guy to monitor as far as that's concerned. But I, you know, I, I can't. He's the out. he's the most must watch for me. Like, I, I know it's off topic, but I don't know about you. But if I had to pick one guy where you say, who's who's at bat do you want to see or like a cut into a game, even more than Trout, even more than Juan Soto for me. I don't know if it's a little bit of the drama and the antics and the stuff he does after every pitch and all this. I don't know what it is, man. But I just feel like when I watch that guy hit, something special is going to happen every time. And he has that weird it factor where he's good for TV, too. And the whole thing with the bat last year in the World Series. And he took the bat after Bregman took the bat. I don't know. There's something about him there. There's swagger. There's mojo. There's stuff there. Is there a guy like that for you? Or is it Soto for you, too, maybe? I mean, Soto's a good name. Acuna's another one. You know, certainly that every time he's up, I I, I want to watch his at-bats. And and I still get a kick out of watching the legends like Pujols and Miguel Cabrera because I know that at any time it could be the last time that we're going to see them. So, yeah. you know, I, I put them in that category as well. All right, this day in fantasy sports birthdays for June the 23rd, Colin Montgomery, great uh, British golfer, also very controversial uh, British golfer for many, many years. Um, not quite the strength that he used to have on the tour, but certainly – uh, once upon a time was very formidable. Uh, 1970, Robert Brooks. Uh, we'll get talk a little bit more about Robert Brooks coming up a little bit later. Had one spectacular year for the Green Bay Packers. 1976, Brandon Stokely, great uh, PPR receiver in fantasy. Yes. Great possession receiver also in the NFL with Denver and with Indianapolis. Uh, 1979, LaDainian Tomlinson. One of the, uh, you know, running backs to this day, probably one of the greatest of all time. We just stack his numbers up against anybody else. 
And uh, Tim Anderson, what a year he had last year uh, for the Chicago White Sox. I was looking forward to see if he could capitalize on that and have another great year. He was you know, top 10 in the MVP voting last year. It's phenomenal. And um, no season yet, but yeah, Tim Anderson certainly was, was a guy to follow last year. Any thoughts on any of these? Oh, absolutely. Brandon Stokely, Ricky Prohl, those are the kind of guys with a prototype for that wide receiver in the slot that you kind of ended up seeing later on with the Patriots, like the Wes Welkers of the world, and then later on the Julian Edelman. So that prototypical kind of slot wide receiver and the usage of that receiver in an offense, basically as a default running back at times too, to move the chains, but move them in a very economical and safe way, even though it was a pass. And that incremental system of of being able to get first downs that way and not always having to run the football and it became very difficult for a lot of offenses you saw the gray show on turf do it you saw obviously peyton manning's offense do it and you saw the patriots do it as well going back to tomlinson too man when you go look at that that prime ladanian tomlinson era stats man oh but talk about a fantasy dream I mean, we're talking the guy 1600 yards 1600 yards rushing 1815 one year the guy had 1815 yards one season just 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 rushing and then that same year he had 508 receiving yards i mean this was a guy that could throw touchdowns he could catch touchdowns it was just it was crazy it was ladanian and then everybody else for those few years it was years. an easy first pick overall every year I mean, it was it really years. was for those those couple years and you know he had a couple good years for the jets there towards the end where he was a contributor but it was all about those years in san diego unfortunately for him never getting to the super bowl but ladanian man oh just fantasy gold man and one of the great athletes too like kind of that throwback like walter payton right where walter could do anything it seemed like on a football field including throw the football and ladanian could do that too and i always love that about him i love those great athletes at running back all right we'll be back with more of those fantasy athletes after this sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Hey, welcome back. One of the fun things about fantasy sports and even about gambling as well. In gambling and in sports, we remember our big wins. We also remember our big losses. And I remember them also in fantasy football as well. And I think that a lot of us do. And I thought that, you know, given the fact that it is, you know, kind of the, the time where about a month from now, potentially, we'll have players back on the field for training camp in the NFL. At least that's what we're hoping that maybe take a, a dive back in my history books as far as fantasy football is concerned and talk about some of the players that helped me win championships over the years. And, you know, it's interesting how things have changed quite a bit in the last decade. I think we focus more on the leagues that we're in among our uh, counterparts in the fantasy community or the fantasy industry. But remember, there was no fantasy industry, <laughs> essentially, 20 <laughs> years ago. And so it was all about you playing against your buddies. And uh, me and, and my friends have all played in the same league for almost 30 years. A lot of us are still in the same exact league. We have a trophy and, um, you know, there's money involved in all that. And and I used to be so good in that league. I mean, uh, we keep overall stats. I'm, I have the best record overall in 30 years and all that. But my record the last 10 years is significantly different than it was in the first 20 years because there's so much information out there now. Mm -hmm. And. You know, when I had a sleeper, it was like everyone would be like, who in the draft? Now it's like the guy, I, the guy gets taken before I even have a shot. And so with the more information that has been out there, the less opportunity there were for sleepers. And so there were three players that I wanted to bring up on the show today because I know without a doubt I got these guys nowhere near the first few rounds of any fantasy draft. And they ended up at least either getting me to a championship or winning a championship. I can't remember that much, but I, I know for sure <laughs> that all three of these players helped me get to that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's got those names. That's for sure. The, this first one back in 95 was before I was playing fantasy football. I'll be honest with you. I was still in high school, still just a young lad. Uh, I didn't start playing fantasy football until I got into college fantasy football and baseball. Actually, really, like seriously, got like more of a oh, college I was, thing. I, I was I was playing in leagues where the first overall pick was Randall Cunningham, and he got hurt the first game and was out for the year. <laughs> well, I everybody Imagine I think that. remembers their first pick that they ever made in a draft. Like my first pick ever in a draft was Ken Griffey Jr. I think in 1998. I want to say that that was the first. Like, I remember it very vividly, and I was like, yeah, Griffey. That's that's I feel good about that. That's pretty easy. I'm going to take Ken Griffey Jr. I think it was a third overall pick, and I got Griffey that year, so things worked cool. out there. My first fantasy football pick ever was James Wilder on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, wow. There's another name, too. 
I had him. I had Neil Lomax. He was my quarterback from the Cardinals. I, I mean, I've been playing fantasy uh, forever on the football side, on the baseball side, uh, also forever, but really started off with, as we've talked about, a lot more of the simulation-type games, uh, Micro League Baseball and APBA before uh, you know fantasy really came yeah, in. But I think Priest Holmes might have been my first one ever. Well, Priest Holmes will be a, a subject of this discussion yeah, here. Yeah, so well, there you go. Into, so. There you go. All right, so uh, here's one player that I had that nobody did. Uh, <laughs> Robert Brooks. I, I mean, I want to say I probably took him in like the eighth or ninth round. He was not the primary receiver on the Green Bay Packers. Remember, this is coming off uh, having Keith Jackson there and Mark Chamura and other players. And Brett Favre just decided that Robert Brooks was going to be his guy that year. And by the way, this was like Brett Favre's second really good year in the NFL, too. Um, coming out, you know, Brett Favre, remember, came out of nowhere. So other players are going to come out of nowhere because Brett Favre came out of nowhere. And in 1995, Brooks had 102 receptions, which uh, at the time was a Packers record, 1,497 yards and 13 touchdowns. He went from, I mean, imagine that in the eighth round of a fantasy draft. It's like that would never happen anymore or seventh round or even sixth round. But uh, he also had one game where he had a 99-yard receiving touchdown, which was the longest in NFL history. I remember this specifically because in my league at that time, we were awarding bonus points, extra bonus points for the length of touchdown. And so this was a three-point uh, extra touchdown. So it was a six plus three. It was a nine. But uh, Brooks was one of those Lambeau Leap guys when that was all getting was. started. Leroy Butler, of course, was the one who who started it all, the defensive back for them. But uh, Brooks and Levins... And, and then Antonio Freeman later on with Favre, Chamura, later. Jackson. Yeah. Well, there's a guy that you're missing, which is actually the reason why you got this Robert Brooks season. Uh, do you recall who stopped playing in 1994-5? It was sharp, but still, even at the time, Brooks was not really on the radar. Well, no, but what happens is guy. the tar- – it was – what happens is – you know what happens normally whenever you have a great quarterback and you have options out there when you lose that number one wide receiver somebody has to pick up the slack somebody's going to get the target volume and there you have it robert brooks turned out to be that guy and was everyone like anticipating it no but at a certain point you have to look at it and we think we're so much more educated now well about that how is that all key. back then no one had a clue like well, it was but, just but like also uh, the way we look at it, it's very difficult back then people just was a, were attaching names to names and things like that not understanding well brett Favre's going to throw the ball x number of times a game Somebody's going to catch the Favre, Favre was not the name that we know now back in 1995 either. Also keep that in mind. Well, 95 is when he went to his first Super Bowl. But 94 was what his first really good year with the Packers. So, I mean, you're talking about a one-year guy coming True. off. Well, that's, that's fair, too. to be able to do it. That, that is fair, too. It was still in the the early Brett Favre years, too. He was coming off a good year in 94. But you're absolutely right. It's it's what kind of offense people are running, and now everyone's so much more educated on that. And it's going to show you this year, too. I mean, if you lose a certain wide receiver in an offense, you have to understand somebody's going to pick up at least that target volume. Do they always pick up the productivity? No, not always, because there's a drop-off from Michael Thomas to whoever the next guy is. But in certain offenses and certain situations, there are guys every year who step into a void when there's an injury and pick up the slack. And Robert Brooks, obviously one of those guys in this. And it's funny, when you look at the Robert Brooks numbers, too, he only had one other 1,000-yard season because the following yeah, year he got hurt. So if yeah. you drafted him high off that big year where he had 1,497 I yards. I, I did not. I remember that. Look, I mean, I re- Isaac Bruce was another one later on, but I think that there was more awareness of him at the time. Uh, but not, but not, uh, you know, Brooks was one of those guys that was at it, was literally out of nowhere because his, his numbers the year before did not indicate that he would double them even without Sharp. Like it just, it, it, it wasn't anywhere near there. Um, speaking of which, the next player here, was a handcuff in fantasy. That's it. I mean, look, Larry Johnson at Penn State was a beast. No question. He played mm-hmm. in the Orange Bowl. I was at the game. Uh, there was a thought process eventually that Larry Johnson maybe could be a thousand yard back in the NFL, but there was no intention of that because they had the best running back in the NFL at the time in Priest Holmes. That's right. There was no, there was no thought whatsoever uh, that Larry Johnson was going to play. And they open up the 2015 season. And Priest Holmes is the man. I mean, Priest Holmes is coming off a, a 2000. He's coming off like an MVP. I mean, he, it's him and Terrell Davis and, and mm-hmm. Jamal Anderson. And Priest Holmes is, is essentially the first pick overall in fantasy drafts. And Priest Holmes gets hurt, still ends up playing a little bit, but playing hurt takes a secondary role to Johnson, who rushes for 1,750 yards on 5.2 yards per carry and 20 touchdowns. He only started nine games that year. Holmes started the rest. 
And well, he did. Uh, he did have 336 rushes, though. I mean, I mean, you can take all the game starts you want. I mean, they, you know, they didn't throw the ball. Rushes. No, but they that's did. the whole point. When you look at a team that's got the volume, and that's why Priest Holmes was so valuable too. And you know, 336 carries the next year, 406. Just, well, just think his, about well, that he, number. That destroyed him. It destroyed his well, career. The well, there you go. Year. 416. He led the league. He had 1,785 rushing yards. But, I mean, could you imagine just, like, floating a 400-something number in today's NFL? Like, people would lose their mind. Well, he broke the record for most in NFL I history. Did. It'll never be touched again, and it ruined his You're career. Right. It did. It, 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 Rick, listen, Ricky Williams, the same thing happened to him. I mean, getting yeah. 300 rushes ruined his career, too. And Ricky had you a lot of volume in college, too. So. You just can't put that kind of uh, strain on any player. But I will tell you that that season that I had Larry Johnson, I went undefeated all, I remember it, all the way through the end and lost in the championship. And I remember having a 13-0 and year, winning all 13 uh, fantasy games. And that's then, the I worst. Don't what, I don't know what, I think I just got outscored because well, Johnson that's, was still great. That's why I like leagues that are structured in terms of payouts smartly. Um, that's why I like where, you know, if you are going to play everybody, you know, the playoff system and things like that that you have, in place that maybe it's not the last playoff slot isn't the best record, but it's the highest scoring team next. Things like that. Like, I'm a big proponent of all play in all fantasy sports leagues, but if you're not going to do all play, at least reward that team with the next highest points more than record, because record is overrated. Record sometimes is about when you meet certain teams and who's not hurt and who's playing and all this other stuff. But if you're talking about, like, trying to get the best teams in the playoffs, get the team with the highest points that isn't in the playoffs. Get that team in the playoffs. Then you have something. Plus, it makes people keep putting in lineups when maybe their record isn't very good, but they can keep scoring. That's very important, and I think people should pay more attention to that. And there should be also – for whoever the top scorer, the best record, whatever overall, there should be a little side pot, 50 bucks, whatever it is for that and reward the regular season, not just the playoffs, I think, too. Larry Johnson and I would probably guess Arian Foster uh, gave you the oh. highest value from any players in the history of fantasy football based on. What uh, I don't think that's a hot take. It's the Arian Foster. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was those two. Now, Foster was taken a lot higher in most drafts that year that he busted out. He was usually a fourth or fifth round pick. But Larry Johnson was a 12th round pick giving you the the best fantasy numbers almost of any running back in history that one year. So I, I just, I'll, I'll, I'll always thank Larry Johnson for that year. Um, and then finally a name that really wouldn't come to mind for a lot of people, but I, you know, this was somebody that I was very high on and, and really, I mean, look, he doesn't get any discussion for the hall of fame. Maybe he shouldn't, but Ben Coates in 1994, 96 receptions for 1174 yards and seven touchdowns at a tight end position. You think, oh, what's the big deal? That that's the fifth most all time for any tight end <laughs> in NFL history. And by the way, two of them were Tony Gonzalez. One of them was Zacharis last year. The other one I think was Kelsey. So I mean, this is 1994. We're going back 20 some odd years, and Coates every single year seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns, seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, eight, seven. None of them with Brady. Like it was just incredible. No, the Drew Bledsoe years. Was, yeah, he was he was just really uh, a very underrated elite, uh, and I dare say elite in tight ends, but an elite tight end, but will never get discussed or any credit. So I got to throw Ben Coates out there today. Uh, I love Ben Coates, one of my favorite players, especially in early Madden. Oh my goodness, like Madden '97. Oh, so much Madden 97 in college, so much of it. And I remember Ben Coates always being my tight end there. Uh, but these teams. These Patriot teams with Curtis Martin. These are the teams with Terry Glenn. These are the teams with Drew Bledsoe that I grew up with and lost Super Bowls as a Patriots fan before I won them. But they, uh, Coates was one of that those go-to guys, and he was one of those big-bodied, faster-than-you-realize tight ends. And I think that was the beginning of that mold that you saw later on with the Gateses of the world and guys like that, and then eventually the position evolving into Rob Gronkowski. But you're absolutely right. Coates isn't a Hall of Famer, unfortunately. I think the stats really pump that up. But in terms of consistent Hall of Very Good, Man, you're right. Ben Coates is a name that people do not talk about enough, and they should because he was an extraordinary talent, especially for his time in an era where the tight end wasn't a huge cog in most offenses. Yep, it certainly was. All right, uh, coming up next, it's time to dive into the FanDuel Sportsbook and take a look at some potential NFL props for the 2020 season. We got the Bills and Browns on deck. Do they both make the playoffs? Do they both miss the playoffs? Really interesting odds that will tell you something other than what you think. Coming up next, don't go away. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Head on over to the FanDuel Sportsbook as we have some really big things on SportsGrid and FanDuel coming for you guys this fall. And if you're just hearing about it, go to our website, sportsgrid.com, to learn more about our brand new partnership with FanDuel and all the great things that we're going to be doing for you this upcoming season. And not just football, basketball, baseball, soccer, tennis, NASCAR, everything that FanDuel has on their docket, we have it for you. So head on over there. Make sure you catch us. And by the way, hopefully this fall, if uh, if things go well, we'll be back in the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. So looking forward to discussing that as well. But, Joe, we've been diving into some potential uh, playoffs in 2020. Now, to give you guys some full transparency, for those of you who watch the show every day or you're watching on YouTube and you're sitting there and you have us in the background and it's a playlist and just it, it just plays show by show. I've been there before. I'm right there with you. You may be wondering, just in case, oh, you know, why, why in Craig and Joe, why aren't they covering every single team here? Well, look, I'm going to I'm going to be honest with you. Um, FanDuel certainly is going to put odds up to make the playoffs for every team in the NFL. But there are some that are just painful on both sides. So what kind of advice are you giving to somebody to take a minus 600 or plus 600? I mean, it's it's obvious that almost everyone is going to pick the Baltimore Ravens as an example to make the playoffs, and you're not going to bet them to not make the playoffs. And so we would have to simply be throwing a dart, flipping a coin, predicting an injury to their best player, which I don't think is something that we're going to do. So when we focus on these teams in the NFL, and we're going to run through them this week, we're going to look at teams that essentially have decently placed odds that we would recommend betting. So you're not looking at any minus 250s or plus uh, plus 900s. I'll leave that for another show. Somebody can just throw a dart on that. I want to keep it realistic. So, Joe, um, let's take a look at the Buffalo Bills today to start. How about that? I love that you keep it real, like the kids say. That's they, Everyone always says on the streets, if there's one guy who's always keeping it real, it's you, Craig Mish. I don't always do that, but on this show, I do. On the right, show, you so, keep it real. And on the streets, On this show, I, I do keep it real. Not on the streets? You don't keep on it real on the streets? As soon as the show is over, I don't keep it real anymore. Oh, wow. See, these are things I'm learning about you. You think you know a guy and you think he's real. And next thing really you know, don't. it turns out he's not real. So I don't know what to believe anymore. So let's just do these. Let's okay. start with the bills. I'm a, I'm a Florida man in my own heart. All right. So, <laughs> well, I'm so just praying that someday, like, I know it's been a tough stretch for you without baseball. Please don't end up being a Florida man. Please, because you know what? I, I don't think you I don't can handle to, that. Well, I can't guarantee, but I don't think so. I, I, I'm, well, I'm not going to go into Walmart without a mask and get kicked out. I promise you that. I, well, I've seen a lot of those Walmart pictures. I don't want you to go there in like one of those, you know, American flag jumpers. I don't want you to go in there with, you know, half your, you know, what hanging out. Like you, you need to make sure that you, you, you don't end up just another Florida man. I know it's been a tough stretch. I promise you, Craig, we're going to get through this. You and me together here on this show every day. It's therapy. It'll be okay. Just don't let me read about you on the internet, please. You, you got it. No problem. All right. All right. So uh, the reason why we're going to do the bills today is because I think that this is a fascinating number that FanDuel has put out today. Because sometimes what I like to do is, uh, you know, like I, I'll half look at the team. And, I, and so, for example, when I popped open the FanDuel Sportsbook, I looked at the Buffalo Bills. And I thought, okay, we're going to do that on the show today. I wonder what their odds are to make the playoffs. And I was thinking, oh, this is probably not one that we're going to be able to do. It's probably going to be minus 190, minus 210, New England's down, Bills are in. Not so fast. Let's take a look at the Buffalo Bills odds for 2020 here. Their yes is only minus 148. And so while that is a fat number, meaning that it's likely that they make the playoffs, uh, FanDuel is basically telling you that this is not a certainty. So slow your roll a little bit on Buffalo. All of you guys who have them as a lock to make it, it is no lock. That is for sure. In fact, uh, you could get some good money here on the plus. <laughs> uh, plus 120, I, I mean, I would have expected it to be, uh, you know, a lot higher. So I don't even know that there's value there at all on this. Now, remember, Buffalo did make the playoffs in 2017 and 2019. 
they really don't win any playoff games once they get there, and they always play on Saturday at 4.30 against Houston and lose. But, you know, beyond that, they're at least Well, they did have in... that awful game against Jacksonville a couple years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's the cool. first game always with uh, Buffalo. Let me tell you something. I was on air. What was that, like a 6-3 game or something like that? Do you remember that right. game I'm talking about with, with Blake Bortles? I was on air on this on our network live during that game trying to do updates and take people through that zigging game live kind of scenario that was a rough three hours let me tell you some sometimes you know it's hard to paint a picture of a game that does nothing for three hours on the radio not not a good not a good plan man not fun no not at all um okay so so going back to the odds yeah this this is fascinating because it is definitely saying you may want to bet no on Buffalo making the playoffs here because because it it should be the the perception should be you shouldn't look at this and go oh my gosh this is a great bet at minus one forty eight you should be going ah you know I don't know it's minus one eighty minus one seventy I'm gonna lean no I am gonna lean no because of what the number says I don't care about what the Bills say and who they have and all of that but if FanDuel is is only willing to lay minus one forty eight on the yes tells me that there is definitely suspect as far as uh, them making the play. Well, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head here. I think you're making a really good point in terms of how to evaluate the line. I think part of what's baked into the yes being just 148 is the notion of the Patriots and that juggernaut team and, you know, that coach who just always wins every time, <laughs> no matter how many times you think you know he won with Matt Castle he won with the Browns when he was with the Giants that's the two times Parcells won the Super Bowl if you think it's an accident it's not when did Parcells get to another Super Bowl well when Bill Belichick was assistant head coach these are not accidental things okay Bill Belichick is one of the greatest coaches in NFL history no matter what you might think of him or not like about him and I think that's what's kind of making people maybe not as aggressive on the bills as they want to be uh, I think you also look in terms of you know the kind of quarterback and the play there I think there's also built in some risk with the style of play of Josh Allen he's a guy out in space a ton a guy who likes to run the football guy's very energetic but there's moments there where injury certainly can happen whether he's running the football or getting hit while running the football and that's something you have to bake into and the last thing you know that I wanted to remind everybody too is defensively they are an outstanding football team the only team that was better last year in terms of less yardage given up was one team happens to be the team in their division the New England Patriots. So it was them, it was the Bills, and then after that it was the Ravens. So I think all of those things kind of bake in that minus 148, and that's why it's not as bullish as some other numbers do. And I understand what you're saying, and I, I do think the Bills are a playoff team, but I think it's a playoff team with a lowercase p, where we don't want to just all of a sudden lock everything not a in great there with number. a big capital P. It's not a great number. No, it's, it's not. not a it, great tells you, it tells you New England will probably be better than people think. It tells you Well, Miami. am I making the case for, like, why you think it's not a capital P for playoff for them? Like, I think uh, there's, uh, those uh, are not uh, good not, reasons, not, right? not Josh Allen's in injury stuff, but the other things okay. I think make sense. I mean, because I could play that game with every quarterback, and that just— You can, sense. but I think you play it differently with a stand-up quarterback than a quarterback who's out there in space. I think we've learned enough from Robert Griffin III. We've learned enough from, you know, many other quarterbacks of that style of play where they're out in space more and just more—the variable goes up. That's all. I'm not saying he's injury-prone at all because he's not— but there's no way with a with a Russian quarterback who has as many attempts as Josh Allen that you're not raising the the vulnerability factor because oh, of course I, you are. I, I would I would think so, but I could play that game for the old guys too. You know, like I I, I think the other points you made are valid. I just think that on that one I, I could I could do every mm -hmm. team and go what if, um you know. I well, mean, up until last year, it, does it matter for Minshew? Maybe not. You know, but does it no, matter? No, but I mean, you I mean what would happen if Rivers went down? What would happen well, if say Rivers went down? But you look at Rivers, there's a perfect example of a standalone quarterback playing pretty much 16 games every year for the last 20 years. Like that's what it, up until last year. Well, there's always that what if. Yes, age does factor into it, too. But age and style of play has a huge impact on injury risk for a quarterback. And I, I just think it's it's worth noting. I think that's what also that, keeps I, people I, I skittish think, about the Ravens sometimes. I mean, I can't to, I mean, we'd have to have John Sheeran on to ask how they made this number, but the, what it tells me is Buffalo's not making it. That's what it tells me. That's what. <laughs> well, that'd be fine by me as a Pats fan, but they did make it two of the last three years, which is something people forget. They yeah. did sneak in there both times. And why? Defense, defense, defense. That defense is formidable. Yeah, for sure. All right, um, now let's move on to the uh, Cleveland Browns, another interesting team, because this is telling me actually the opposite looking at this line. Uh, here are the Browns' odds to make the playoffs in 2020. Um, yes, plus 108. Wow, okay. Uh, 
I guess there's a pretty good shot that they're making the playoffs this year because the no is only minus 130. Um, they haven't had any playoff appearances since 2003. They haven't had any playoff wins since 1995. This number is down significantly from last year, clearly. <laughs> last year was oh, you know, minus on the S. But I don't think that fan, the Vandals given up on this at all. And this line is telling me they're going to take your minus 130 on the no all day long. Um, my lean would be yes, based on what I what I, I look at the line here. It, it looks like they, they think that there's a pretty good shot that uh, that they make it. I think you're reading the line properly, but I can't get involved in this one. I just... This one hinges more on the Steelers than it does on the Browns to me because it, it, the Steelers would have to not be good again. And I think that Steeler defense is outstanding. I think they're going to show people with a better offense how good they are because they're not going to be on the field as much as they were last year, which is a lot when you look at the time that defense spent on the field because they were just so inept offensively. But they were still very good. And they get to the quarterback. But the Cleveland Browns, look, this is a team, too. I, I don't know if I love the first year of a head coach coming in there with laying all these – New systems at people's feet. I mean, this is going to be a new system for a lot of these guys to pick up, obviously. And yes, they have a ton of weapons in Cleveland. And yes, there's some talent on the defensive side of the football, too. But this was a team that was really, I don't know, all over the place. You look at some of the issues they had in terms of discipline on the field, on the field discipline I'm talking about. And it lacked. And that shows lack of leadership, not just from the coaching staff, but also lack of leadership amongst the players. And I think there's certain things like that where you have to have that in place. I'm not sure if it is. That's why the Browns for me are still not a playoff team. I think they will be better. I think they will be far more competitive, but I can't get there. Even though I agree with you, you're reading the line properly. I don't think I feel good enough about the Browns to put money on it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not necessarily a bet for both. It's just, uh, you know, the other part of it, too, is that there are so many of these uh, listed on FanDuel with with all due respect to them. It's just like there's no value. A minus, you know, minus 400 right. plus 600. It's like right, you're not betting the Chiefs to make the playoffs like that's not good. <laughs> or not. Or not. You know? right? Exactly. Or, or not. What, I mean, and, and if you hit that one, what did you prove? Well, Mahomes got hurt. Congrats. Like, I mean, yeah, well, Mahomes really got hurt last year and they won a Super Bowl. So that, I don't know how much that proves. <laughs> It's like, I mean, rooting for a quarterback to get hurt is essentially what you're doing. And at the end, you know, posting a screenshot of you winning a bet that you got lucky that the guy got hurt in week four. Like, I, I don't I have interest in skill, not in luck when it when it pertains to this stuff. So uh, I'm going to lean no on Buffalo. I'm going to lean yes on the on the Browns plus 108. Like, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand it. And when I see that, it makes me go the contrarian side of it. So we'll see. Um, you know, certainly I like Buffalo. I think that they should make the playoffs for sure. They look like the best team in the division. I don't like Cleveland. I don't like what I saw last year, but I'm looking at the lines and they're telling me otherwise. And so that's the direction I'm headed. You know where we're headed toward a break here over on our show fantasy sports today, but we got plenty more to come. Want to remind you guys to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you do that sports grid radio on YouTube, where we post all the audio from all of our shows. In addition to the video and also, don't forget, coming up a little bit later, Scott Farrell, he's going coast-to-coast coast live. Make sure you uh, stay tuned. Tune into him later today, as well as in-game live with Gabe Morency. Lots of fun coming up later for you here on this Tuesday. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more right here on Fantasy Sports Today. After SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 